There is a way, and that way is forward together. This is the John Peacock Podcast. Welcome to Season 2. Hey, welcome to the show. My name is John Peacock, and that right there is Brian Silver. Hello, Brian. Hey, hey, what's happening? And uh, if you guys were watching last Wednesday, every Wednesday is called Wellbeing Wednesday, and Brian has been so generous and so kind to join us on the show each Wednesday. He's a Christian therapist, has been for a long time, before that was a pastor. And um, yeah, it's been awesome, Brian, to see God use your gifts to help equip so many folks in our church and folks that watch the show that don't attend our church or any church for that matter. So thanks again for, for being willing to help out, man. We appreciate it. We really do. Oh man, it's a joy. I I love being able to be with this community in this way. So it's really cool. It's awesome. Last week we shared with uh, our listeners, Hey, ask the therapist. So today is kind of a one-off in the next week. We'll, we'll get going on a new series, but uh, today we're going to look at three specific questions that were sent in. And uh, we're going to ask the therapist. We're going to see what what the therapist has to say to these three specific questions. And obviously, we've read through these questions. I think they're reflective of what so many of us are wondering and thinking and feel stuck in. So um, I think it's going to be really helpful. So you ready? We're putting you on the hot seat. I think so. Yeah. Hot seat. Here we go. (laughs) All right. right, So here's the first question. (sighs) Okay. (laughs) Here's the first question that was sent in. In this age of COVID, BLM a crazy election. Could you give tips on setting healthy boundaries, especially with friends who hold an opposite view? Hmm. Good. So a nice, easy one to start with. (laughs) Um, It's a great question. And um, because of, because of what the question is, uh, I I think it would be good. uh, You know, you talked this past week about humility Mm. and that has to be our starting point. So uh, if, if you guys would join me, I realize not all of us are people of faith here, but for those of us who are people of faith, mm. uh, I, I just want to I just want to posture ourselves in a place of humility by surrendering this question to God, and then we'll dive in. So if you guys would pray yeah. with me, that yeah. would be great. Mm. So, Father God, uh, thank you for being God. Um, thank you that that we don't have to be God. Mm. Um, and um, God, I, I pray that you would guide. Uh, our thoughts through this question guide my words, um, uh, help uh, help everybody listening to really hear your voice, uh, not mine, not John's, uh, not anyone else's, um, but uh, but to ga- gain some some clarity around how to how to honor you through some difficult uh, difficult situations here. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So. Like I said, great question and and really uh, really timely. Obviously, yeah. there's a lot lot going on there. Um, John, you talked about humility being a path to unity, um, and and that it's a necessary component. And you know, the first thing that we have to talk about here is just the idea that many of the conversations that are happening are steeped in fear and control. Um, 
And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that fear. There's a lot of reasons for our instinct to control in this. Um, a lot of different ones. Everybody has different reasons for this. Um, but but it's people feel very strongly about it. And, um, and people are very defensive of their positions. Hmm. Now, uh, the first question that came in was about specifically especially people of faith when i'm when people of faith are talking about this how do we navigate this so we should start there and and the best way to start there we've got to kind of build a foundation for this but the best way to start is is to think of the metaphor that jesus gives us in the body of christ okay so the the body of christ represents the idea that god means for diversity to lead to unity. Mm. Mm. You got all these different parts, yeah. right? And they're all essential for the unity of the body, for the body to function correctly. And in our fear and in our control, we sometimes have some pretty strong blind spots about the fact that we actually don't have all the answers. We're, we're actually not God. And so our ears get closed and we don't listen. We don't uh, uh, we don't surrender ourselves to God and see what God might say in a certain situation. We, we just defend, we get angry. And so this posture of humility is, is critical because God means to use diversity to lead to unity, better unity. Hmm. And let me give you a contrast in this. We got to go almost all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. Okay. Um, early on in Genesis, there is, uh, there's another form of unity that God, God actually says isn't, isn't good. So we see, we see these people uh, building the Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. And uh, their unity is one of sameness. And this sameness is being used to control the world and try to ascend heaven and become their own gods. And God said, unity is important but not this kind of unity. Wow. Wow. That's really good. <laughs> so this, this unity is destructive. This unity will damage. So mm -hmm. I'm actually going to, and this is what he does. He introduces diversity to, to say, Hey, we've got to, we've got to break up this, this poor version of unity wow. in order to rebuild unity. Um, critically different critically different and so um so now not let's let's be honest we look at we look at that story obviously not all unity is equal but if you if you remember ted canaris a couple of weeks ago he he mm -hmm. did that drawing where he yeah, you know he had the, yeah he's got the the marriage he uses as the as the example he's got you know the spouse is over here and then he's he's got god up here and he says that if they're both aimed toward God, they, they find their way to greater and greater unity, right? Um, brilliant analogy. Loved it. it. It's actually not a brand new analogy. In fact, there's a guy uh, called A.W. Tozer, who's a very famous, well-known uh, theologian. And he says it this way. This is like, it's a lot, but just listen closely. He says, um, he says, has it ever occurred to you 
that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other. They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. Mm. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. <laughs> that, there's so a lot good. there. I'm going to read it one more time. It's so good. Okay. I, this, this is amazing. Brilliant. Okay. Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They're, uh, they are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. Humility. Surrender. So, 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away from themselves and to Christ, are actually in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly ever be were they to become simply unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for better fellowship with each other. Mm. This is the difference between the body of Christ and the Tower of Babel. Mm. So, it's, it's not just unity for the sake of unity. In fact, in Jeremiah, the prophets are condemned for preaching peace, peace, when there is no peace. Mm. This is not about having everything all buttoned up. This is about taking the messiness, taking the best of our diversity as it's surrendered to Jesus. And the only diversity that, that uh, is rightly pointed is diversity pointed toward Jesus. And, and that, you know, in, in terms of how, how we're processing our thoughts together in a conversation, if we're talking about people of faith, remember, we're having, we're, we're having a conversation right now about people of faith processing together. So I want to be very clear because it's easy to misstep in the way that I say things. It's, it's a touchy topic. Mm -hmm. But the only diversity in a conversation between Christians that's going to, that, that, uh, that can be discussed uh, in a productive manner is going to be diversity that is pointed and surrendered to Christ so that that diversity can bring that unity. Hmm. So in terms of now that we have that foundation to answer that question, um, the, uh, the boundaries for, for this, how, how do we set boundaries on these conversations? Well, first of all, there has to be humility on both sides of the conversation. Mm -hmm. There has to be aiming toward Christ together. There has to be an openness to understanding how Jesus might use our differences to strengthen the body. Mm -hmm. If those things are absent, the conversation is not going to go anywhere because one or both are not listening. Mm -hmm. And if we're not listening, even if we don't disagree, we can't get anywhere. So, John, you gave us some, some signposts last uh last sunday yeah. um the five signposts i'm just pulling them up here um uh, let's agree to disagree help me understand i was wrong hey tell me about and how can i help these are good signposts in a conversation that that there is openness there is humility um there is a willingness to hear a different side 
And, and if those signposts are there, um, there's the potential for fruitful conversation. Um, gets a little bit more complicated. I'll just touch on this briefly. It gets a little bit more complicated um, when, when we're talking about conversations that we're having as people of faith with people who maybe aren't people of faith. Um, but uh, I'll pause for a second because that was a lot. And John, I, I'd love to have you chime in. Man, I, it's so helpful. I've never thought of the body of Christ in the Tower of Babel like that. I just, I love that. Super helpful. I'll remember that for a long time. I think, you know, certainly my heart is um, for everyone, but as far as my responsibility, I'd say, is certainly for this specific body of Christ called Mission Church. And when we realize the the opportunity we have, if, if and it's a, I think these days, a massive if, if Christ is the head, uh, then we, we really, we have what the world doesn't have. We have a North Star, we have an aim. And when we unify around Christ as the head, it's just amazing how we really can agree to disagree on, on things. We really can end up seeing how diversity doesn't divide, but it actually can make us stronger where the arm needs the ear and the, you know, the calf needs the, I don't know, bicep, <laughs> you know, so, you know, using the body as a metaphor. So I just feel like it, it gets me excited and hopeful when I think about this body of Christ, Mission Church. And it also makes me really sad too, at the same time when, okay. when I, you know, hear of um, things that make me a little bit sad because it's like, oh, guys, we, we have what the world doesn't have. And because we have what the world doesn't have, meaning uh, Christ as the head, um, I mean, that is our opportunity to shine like, like stars among them, like we talked about on Sunday. So back to what you said, Brian, the starting point, maybe I'll just add to it. Um, I think the most important thing perhaps is the conversation you have before the conversation. <laughs> And it's like, before you sit down with that person, and I would encourage you to never engage in these conversations on social media. Um, even if you understand how social media work, it just, it won't work. But sitting down with a person, because this is really about the body of Christ, uh, our church specifically, I think the conversation before the actual conversation is probably the most important. And that is your conversation with God saying, God, help me soften my heart, help me be humble, help me go into this knowing that I don't have everything figured out. Help me go into this knowing that this person I'm about to talk to isn't my enemy. They're actually a brother and sister in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's so important, Brian, because the conversations I've done the worst in are the conversations I'm really not prepared to have at a heart level. You know, so um, that's maybe the only thing I would add, but I hopefully we can put that quote from Tozer in the comments. Cause that quote that we need to frame that one. That that's, that's super helpful. And maybe I'll, this last thing, and we'll go to the, the next question. You know, it says in this age of COVID BLM and a crazy election, um, I have pretty strong opinions on those three things. <laughs> and there's a reason I have those opinions. And the, 
fascinating thing is there's some like really close friends of mine that I love, that I respect, that I know are followers of Jesus. I've seen irrefutable fruit in their life for a long time that truly think and believe very different things than I do about those three things. And so it's been an opportunity for me to not fall into this against narrative. Pastor Scott Sauls writes about this, his book that I read this summer, just to trying to get more equipped on this is called A Gentle Answer. I don't know if you've checked it out. Great book, highly recommend it and endorse everything I've read from Pastor Scott Sauls out of Nashville. Lynn Seward sent me, keeps sending me all his books. But, um, you know, it's just been really, really, uh, I would say it's part of my discipleship journey right now of engaging with those brothers and sisters who truly have a different view around those three things than I do. And having those conversations in a godly way, a civil way, a humble way. And quite frankly, at the end of those conversations, still agreeing to disagree. (laughs) So, um, anything else? Or can we go to the second question? Um, That's great. The the only thing I would add is, because I did give a teaser, let's touch just real briefly on, okay, what about people that aren't of faith that that you're having this conversation with? You know, it's along similar lines to what you're talking about, but essentially, Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God and then to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, He doesn't say um, first confront them on, you know, an issue that you believe they have, you know, off and then decide to love them later if they change their mind. The foundation is what does it look like for us to really love Mm -hmm. the people who, who, disagree with us, the people who don't see eye to eye with us. Um, And in a conversation that's not going anywhere with somebody Mm -hmm. who feels that strongly, they feel that strongly for a reason. Mm -hmm. And, and to simply pause the conversation and to say, Hey, um, I I don't know. Like, I think we're probably too amped up here. I don't know that we're getting anywhere, Mm -hmm. but can we just pause? And can I just say, I really care about you. Mm -hmm. I care about how important this issue is to you. And, and you matter to me. And can we start there first? Because I think, I think we just need to spend a little bit more time building, uh, building a trustworthy relationship so that we can have a conversation about this where, you know, let's be honest, all of us put our foot, our foot in our mouths. You know, there's probably somebody who thinks I put my foot in my mouth today. Maybe I did. <laughs> you know, we, we all do it. There's some, there's some way that we speak in ignorance because we're not God. <laughs> Yeah. And, yep. and when there's at least a trustworthy relationship, there's room for grace in that there's yeah. room to be able to say, Hey, uh, that's really offensive. Can we, can we talk that through? And, and without that, it's, it's just fighting and not listening. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, yeah. I mean, this next question is important. Um, maybe as a transition into that, there's a time for everything. Wisdom would tell us there's a time for everything. There's a season for everything. What I continue to learn right now is people aren't listening. People aren't really willing to hear. They're just not because of, I believe, what the media has caused. It's it's caused so much frustration and anger. Um, 
the divide is so strong around those three topics that we just talked about. So in some ways, I'm like, in just if you're wondering, like, how's John kind of thinking about these things? Tommy and I talk about this all the time. We're like, I think we'll probably engage more in those conversations in the winter and next summer <laughs> because it's so charged. People can't hear or choosing not to hear. And so there, there may be times with really close friendships, you can say, hey, this is really important. I want you to know it's important to me. Um, let's put it on the shelf for six months. And when things cool down a little bit, when we can talk about this in a civil way, when we can really hear the heart of one another, then let's pick that up. And they may not be right now, but um, you know, I make that commitment. I'm not going to let this go. Let's pick it up sometime in the near future. The second question is really important as well. We got a couple more to get through and we've already talked for a while. This is going to be a long episode. All right. Uh, could you offer some guidance for when to have a confrontation and when to let it go? Even if it means ending the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. This is another great question. And, uh, there, there are a couple different, different pieces to this. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so first of all, um, you want to think about result. So uh, as you just mentioned, we're not always listening. So if we're going to step in even gently to a confrontation that we know is not going to end in anything fruitful, um, it, it may not make sense to do it at that time. Um, you know, even even if the fruitful thing is I'm I'm ending the relationship because this is toxic or something, that's still something fruitful. But mm -hmm. if we're just confronting somebody who's not listening, mm -hmm. and and there's nothing specific that we're trying to decide or discern out of that, that's not going to result in anything fruitful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, that's that's piece one. Um, Another piece is um, you, you need to decide. Uh, you need to decide two things. One is um, how how toxic uh, is what's going on in this relationship. Um, and, you know how critical is resolving this to being able to maintain the relationship. Um, you know there there are some people who maintain. You know who who stay in toxic relationships and it eats them away. Yeah. Um, there are other people who choose boundaries around toxic relationships because they really care about them. They love them. Um, and they say, well, I, I'm not prepared to, I'm not prepared to, you know, cut the relationship off. Um, but, um, you know, I can't, I can only take so much of this and I have to make sure that I have the right, you know, protections around me, the people to process with immediately following, spending time with them, et cetera. And, and there, there are times when people choose to do that. Um, but uh, if, if a relationship and what's going on is, is toxic enough that it is impacting your ability to honor your values, then it probably does need to go. Um, now that's, that's sort of on the far end of the spectrum. The other part of this question is, you know, how do you determine whether or not to confront? So there's the, there's the, are they listening part, but also how strongly do you feel about it? Mm. So if, I don't know, um, 
somebody, uh, one of your roommates ate the, the last of the cupcakes on the counter um, and there was no name on it or anything, but uh, you, you, had, you had it earmarked in your mind. Um, and you know what? They always do that. They always eat the last cupcake. Okay, well, um, I mean, maybe it's worth it, but scale it in your head, zero to 10. How big of a deal is this to me? Because your reaction should match how, how big of a deal it is. If you really think about it, if, you know, beyond the emotion of the moment, of course, the emotion of the moment is I wanted a cupcake. So, of course, it's an 11 out of 10. Mm -hmm. But in all reality, if it's, if it's a 2 out of 10, um, maybe, maybe you don't need to confront it or maybe it's a, you confront it in a 2 out of 10 kind of way. Hey, do me a favor. Um, yeah. You know, leave me a cupcake every once in a while. Right. Whereas if you're facing something that's a bigger deal, um, let's say it's a seven out of 10, well, then that gives it priority for confrontation. Um, and you can still be gentle about it. But if there's pushback, your pushback with respect and integrity should represent the level at which you feel strongly about this. So, um, um, hey, uh, um, you, uh, um, you've been doing this one thing that's crossing a line, please, please stop. You know, in your, your mind, you're thinking it's a seven out of 10. Oh, come on, it's not that big of a deal. Leave, you know, don't be such a baby. You know what? I said it was a big deal, you need to stop. Okay, you're just kidding. Hey, all right, very seriously, this is how, this is how it has to be, you have to back off, okay? So you become, more emphatic depending on how strongly or or how less strongly you feel about the the issue and how important it is to confront that's good that's really good uh a resource uh for those of you that are feeling like all right i need to confront this uh this quote-unquote friend which um by the way uh on facebook it says you have what a thousand friends, 900 friends, 200 friends, 8,000 friends. Let me just be uh, the realist. You don't have that many friends. Okay. Did I, I hope I didn't ruin someone's day, but I'm just letting you know that word friend is not real. So you, we really don't have that many friends. And so I think the whole Facebook thing, like we feel like this like innate responsibility. Well, they're my friend on Facebook. They're, they're actually probably not your friend anyway. Uh, you have way, we have way less actual friends. Uh, and so we get sucked into like probably more confrontation than uh, we actually really need to because uh, we don't have a responsibility to confront people that they're, they're really not our, our friends, uh, maybe acquaintance at best. So uh, that's just a little free, free tip for you. But there's a great resource. I don't know, Brian, if you've read it called Crucial Conversations. And um, I haven't read it. But. Yeah, it's really good. And I'll just kind of give you a, one quick thing. We'll go to this third question, which is in the book. Uh, the author, he talks about start with the heart. So if you're watching this right now and you're like, yep, I do need to confront this actual friend, start with the heart. And similar to what I said uh, about 10 minutes ago, the conversation before the conversation, the meeting before the meeting is helping. It's starting with the heart is just so important. Why the author in the book says, your intent many times is more important than the content. So it's really has helped me a ton when I've needed to have a confrontation because there's times where I do need to do that. 
And so I go back to that, start with the heart, start with the heart. Like don't go in really strong to push them into a corner because they're going to react. Start slow, start with the heart, start with letting them know how much I care about them. Um, why? Well, because my intent is more important perhaps than my content. Hey, the third question I think is really important, Brian, let me read this to you. Um, this person says in the past number of months, I feel like every time I get on social media or even in conversations, I hear one heartbreaking story after the next. I don't want to disengage and I want to respond to the pain of others with compassion, but I also feel myself becoming overwhelmed by the amount of pain. Can you give guidance on how to carry others' burdens, but also not be in continual soul exhaustion by the amount of brokenness in our world? Yeah. Yeah. Um, this, this is a tough one because if you have a heart that is compassionate for the people around you, there is a ton of heartbreak to be to be breaking over. Yeah. And, um, you know, in, in some ways you, you can almost think about it like, uh, I mean, this is not a new analogy, but gassing up your car. If, if you, if you spend all of your time on social media, letting your heart break over all the pain and, um, and you never really come up for air from that, um, you know, you, you may be a, a prayer warrior, you may be a note writer, you may, you know, that's awesome, but you will run out of steam if you don't take care of your own emotional needs. That's like gassing up the car. If you drive the car until you run out of gas, guess what? You will, you will make a bigger difference faster than anyone else, but then you'll run out of capacity to make a difference. And, and so anything that you can do to, to give yourself permission mm. to, um, to get a break, to catch your breath. And, and I think there's a lot of guilt that's involved with that. Yeah. If I give myself permission to, uh, to break from this for uh, a day, a few minutes, what, you know, uh, to, to go do something fun with my family or to go take, uh, you know, take a book and sit on my porch and read or that, that I'm somehow neglecting the pain. Mm. And, and what you're actually doing is you are, you're doing exactly what Jesus did. You, you are refueling, you are stepping away so that you mm. have capacity to give more. That's so good. Yeah. I think that's so important. Uh, maybe I can wrap us up with this thought on that. I, uh, I feel that question deeply. A uh, couple reasons, the nature of my role, uh, like what I do. Um, also, uh, I think because of uh, social media, you know, like, like was said in the question, and this is just something to think about. I don't think we've ever talked about this, Brian, but I think one of the, um, I've been thinking so much about social media. I watched this documentary called The Social Dilemma with Kelly recently. I don't know yeah. if you've seen it, but I haven't finished it, but I've watched quite a bit of it. I'm telling everyone about it right now. Um, I think one of the things that social media has done is it's caused us to become more uh, omniscient than we can actually handle. Mm. There is only one being that is actually omniscient and can handle it. And it's God. You know, I, I've thought so much, Brian, about 50 years ago, 
how little people actually knew. You know, they were aware of the pain that was existing, you know, within their, you know, what, 50 friendships or something, or the, the folks they worked with, maybe their neighbors, their immediate family. Uh, you know, I don't have the exact number, but what's fascinating to me is we are now exposed and sometimes we're allowing ourselves to be exposed to a level of pain I believe we were not designed to be aware of. Hmm. It doesn't mean we put our head in the sand at all. No, I think we need to be totally aware of the pain that's going on within our closest friendships. And it's their responsibility to make us aware of their struggles too. And that's a two-way street. And so I, I guess I say that as um, to try to just help us think critically about are we um, in some sense kind of blindly opening ourselves to a level of omniscience that we were not designed to carry. And um, that's some of the things I'm thinking about these days. Uh, that question was in regards to social media and how do we handle this? Uh, the last thing I'll say is this, God, um, we see this in the ministry of Jesus. We are not meant to become Teflon where the pain of those around us, we, we just simply do not let it stick to us. We've, we've become Teflon. No, that's not what we see. Certainly in John chapter 11, Jesus wept. Uh, shortest verse in the Bible, but certainly perhaps the greatest window into the heart of God. So Jesus was not Teflon Jesus. No, uh, the pain around him stung. It hurt deeply. At the same time, Jesus, we see, was not Velcro Jesus. He had boundaries, as you mentioned, Brian. He did not allow the amount of pain in his world to stick to him like Velcro. And so it's neither of those things. It's, it's neither Velcro to where we become suffocated with the pain around us, and it's neither Teflon where we say we're not going to let any of it hurt. And in some way, we find the third road that Jesus models to perfection of what it looks like to respond to the pain of others um, and when we do that, Brian, as you said, from a full tank, man, it's amazing how differently we're able to, uh, as Galatians says, right? Carry one another's, one another's burdens. Yeah. Well, this is, this is great, brother. Thank you so much for responding to these questions. Well-being Wednesday, you know, just so you guys know, the heart of me and Brian is we want to equip you guys. We want you to feel supported. We want you to move through this very difficult season of life as healthy as possible. And in doing so, I know we're going to honor Christ and uh, we're going to be that city on a hill. We really will shine among them like stars in the sky. Until next time, this is Wellbeing Wednesday, live at eight. Love you guys. See you soon. Good to see you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. For more content or to access the show notes, visit johnpeacock.com. Until next time, keep your eyes open. Hold tight to your convictions. Give it all you've got. Be resolute and love without stopping.